The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Focused on the facts. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, plenty more to tell you about before we get to John Ruddick, MLC. Um, I want to get to the mess that has come out of the election interference case mounted against Donald Trump and those other, I think, 16 co-defendants, 16 or 18, I think 16. Um, But it's all surrounding the prosecutor now, and the prosecutor is in all sorts of problems. This is the District Attorney Fanny Willis. Fulton County, Georgia, District Attorney Fanny Willis and Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade have been subpoenaed to testify at a February 15 hearing about allegations that Willis has financially benefited from Wade, her alleged romantic partner. Can it get any messier? And this is why Ed Martin told me about three weeks ago now that this entire case, this particular indictment against Trump and others, the election interference case, wouldn't be um, occurring before the election because of what's now been focused on in terms of the district attorney and this affair that she's had at the same time. Now, the subpoenas first reported by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution were revealed in a lawsuit against the Fulton County District Attorney's Office filed by Ashley Merchant, the lawyer for Trump co-defendant Michael Roman, who made the allegations about the relationship in an effort to have the charges dismissed. And he's entitled to do so, especially if the relationship is real. Uh, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McPhee, or McAfee, who's overseeing the Trump election interference case, scheduled the February 15 hearing to address Roman's notion to dismiss the charges and the misconduct allegations against Willis and Wade. Merchant alleges in the lawsuit that the DA's office is not complying with the Georgia Open Records Act by intentionally stalling requests for documents. She said that the office has refused without adequate explanation to provide Roman's legal team with many of the requested materials. Now, courts don't like this stuff. Courts do not see that in a good light, no matter what side is refusing to hand over documents. Merchant asks the court to order the DA's office to hand over the records she seeks or show that they can't be provided. Now, in a statement to NBC News, Jeff DeSantis, a spokesperson for Willis, said her office has provided Merchant with the information she is entitled to, not asking for, entitled to, according to them, and is and, and an update on the status of the others in compliance with the law. Now, this is going to get right out of control. You can tell there's the issue of the DA's relationship. Um, there's the monetary factor associated with that pair. And then the motivation that she may have had in seeking advice from the party uh, and the committee that looked into the issue originally within the House before she charged Trump. All of those issues have clouded the viability of a prosecution, I would have thought. And this was the argument Ed Martin enunciated right on this program only three weeks ago. I think there's uh, a whole heap of cloud, a whole heap of mud associated with this, and it's not on the Trump side. So um, we'll see how that goes. Now, 
there's a terrific story in the Sydney Morning Herald today for our Australian listeners in about donors, political donors, which I find rather fascinating because I, you know, if you're making money and you're doing a, you know, you're being successful in life, I always wonder why you think it's a good investment to pay a party uh, unless you're going to be advantaged in some way. And of course, you cannot seek advantage from a donation. So I always see these things as a conflict of interest by definition, but I may be a little bit too sceptical and cynical. This story says this, political parties and activist groups collected millions of dollars in political donations last year with Clive Palmer, the mining billionaire, leading the list with $7.1 million in payments to his own United Australia Party. In a sign of the influence of wealthy individuals, packaging billionaire Anthony Pratt gave $1 million to Labor, while power station owner Terry St. Baker gave $86,000 to the Liberals and Nationals, as well as $50,000 to Conservative Action Group Advance Australia. The nation's wealthiest woman, mining magnate Gina Reinhart, gave $150,000 to the Liberals about six weeks after the last federal election, far more than the $24,000 donation before the election. At least that's what was disclosed. $24,000 from the richest woman. Um, she wasn't too keen or confident about a victory, was she? Maybe that is the reason for all of that. But it goes into some of the incremental amounts from other individuals into minor parties and major parties, and it's such a spider's web you kind of sit back and it's sort of something that you should just put aside. And so when you are at your uh, at your um, unsolved best, when it comes to a major news story, you can kind of get this and say, ah, hang on a minute. This is why that person's been advantaged by that government or that opposition or vice versa. It's all an interesting web that we weave in the world of politics and not just in Australia, of course. This is Chris Smith on TNT. Conversations to inform and include. It's meant for everyday people to understand. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I have got the leader of the New South Wales Libertarian Party on the line with me right now, John Ruddick from New South Wales. He's an MLC. We love having him on his new regular day, which is Thursday. And I hope all of his followers are enjoying his presence as well. John Ruddick, welcome to TNT. Good afternoon, Chris. Good to see you, mate. And I can assure you this is the highlight of my week as well. All right. Now, listen, listen, I want to know what the update is in reference to that columnist that you were having a battle with and whether you were going to get together for this debate that was planned. Well, I'm, well, I'm happy to give you an update. So uh, Jack the Insider. That's him. Has been a columnist at The Australian for some time. Now, he was the opposite of me during the COVID uh, situation. And he was, he loved the COVID vaccines. He thought we should take as many as possible. Now, we had a few swipes at each other on Twitter a week ago. But we had a, I can report that a couple of days ago, uh, we had a very pleasant phone call. Convivial? Con look, it went for half an hour. It, it was certainly convivial. It was constructive. And there was, there was goodwill. And we have agreed to have a debate in Parliament, New South Wales Parliament in, in, in March. And we're going to be talking about the COVID response in general, and we're going to be talking about the vaccines in particular. Now, uh, look, you know, I'm very pleased he wants to have a debate. 
Yeah. The stupid Liberal Party and the Labor Party who inflicted this on us, they're just trying to sweep it under the carpet. Okay, so, but hang but, on a second. Hang on, hang on. Why couldn't we have it on TNT? Do I have to speak with Jack the Insider? Well, TNT is very, very welcome to come along and, uh, you know, broadcast it. Um, so if that you know, might be if, even better, if we want to do that. It'll it'll be in the evening. I think it's on a Thursday, right? Um, sometime in I think it's mid March. So so, but look, it's all going ahead. It's all okay. Going ahead. So, okay, I look forward to very, that. It'll be very respectful. All right. Now this has been a protest and a half, not just in France, but it's been occurring right across Europe. Eighty French farmers have been arrested overnight as thousands converged on a major Parisian wholesale market. They are out in massive numbers at the moment. The pictures are quite extraordinary in protesting against green tape and green taxes. Um, the president, we're hearing, may be forced to introduce martial law. I think it's time the rest of the world, farmers from right around the globe, got together in support of their European cousins. Well, look, what uh, President Macron needs to do is listen to these people and not uh, lock them up. Now, you know, Chris, that the most famous revolution in history was the French Revolution. Mm. There's been lots of revolutions, but the the biggie, the, the mother of all revolutions was the French Revolution. The, and now I think the French Revolution was a mistake because, you know, France used to be easily the most powerful country in the world. It was much more powerful, much more populous, much more prosperous than Britain just across the road from the chat, just across the channel. And they stuffed it up because they had a left-wing revolution in the 1790s and it sent, you know, they've basically been in decline ever since. But mm. we still love, we still love our froggy friends. And and, and 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 what they should, but the thing is, Chris, this, the French do know how to overthrow a government. They've done it. It wasn't just 1789. Well, there was about four in the 1790s, but they did it again in the 1830s. And in it's the 1830s. in their DNA. Oh, they know how to do it, the, the, the froggies. Uh, so I would, now, now you know the, the, this issue, which is massive in Europe, massive Germany, Netherlands, uh, a lot of these European countries, it once a fortnight on the commercial news at six o'clock, it gets about fifteen seconds. Now this is a they're trying to because all these global warming, global boiling, major media companies, corporate media, mm. are so invested in global boiling that they uh, they barely want to report it. But it's so big they have to give it fifteen seconds. Yeah, uh, it's all over. Well, they're so strangling. They're strangling the heart of of Paris. I understand from some of the reports. Well, but, well, yes, yes, it, it's looking. Look, I, 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 still, I stand with them one hundred percent because of this global boiling nonsense, this fairy tale. Now, you know, we had the, uh, you know, you know, there was a few hot days in summer uh, in the, the European summer six months ago, and the Bureau of Medi Bureau of Meteorology in Australia spent the next four months saying, "Oh my God, it's going to be so hot in Australia this summer. It's going to be so dry. It's going to be so sunny." And the Bureau of Medi Bureau of Meteorology got it one hundred percent wrong. It's been a cool summer it's been a cloudy summer it's been a wet summer now if they can't chris if they can't get the third, next few months right <laughs> why on earth should we be listening to them about the next hundred years okay? spot, on. It all up. spot on if you can't get the weather right tomorrow how are you supposed to get the weather right in 50 years you're exactly right okay to a viral video secretly recorded by a program called o'keefe in disguise it was about the presidential disillusionment within the White House. Now, top White House cyber official Charlie Krager uh, says Biden will run. He says the party wants to dump Kamala Harris. 
and she's not too popular with her own staff either. Is she going to be the, the nominee? Yes. And she will be the vice president nominee. Yeah, I don't... There was a debate about removing her from the ticket, but sadly they didn't. She can't keep black staff. They quit on her in mass. But with him, I yeah, mean, I know. I know. he's got I know. dementia. Uh, yeah, well, he's definitely slowing down. Well, they know that he has those issues. I think so. But they're not willing the to say it. Shows it. And, they're not and willing to say correct. it publicly. And same thing but with Kamala Harris. Is she's not popular, but you can't remove the first black lady to be vice president from the goddamn presidential ticket. Like, I what see. kind of message are you going to send to, like, an African-American voter? How would you spin that? So the Dems are keeping this crazy woman who can't keep her staff and can't do the job in the position as vice president and running partner to Joe Biden. And also they're not touching Joe Biden's presidential uh, nomination. They are sleepwalking to disaster, John, aren't they? Well, they certainly are. Now, you know, besides Chris Smith, my favourite journalist in the world is James O'Keefe. He's been doing these sting operations for about 15 years. Now, you, you often don't hear from him, him for four months because he has this meticulously planned project to go and entrap some left-wing radical, gets them on video, gets them yeah. to talk very honestly, Chris, yeah. and we find out what the truth is. Now, what he did on this occasion was he pretended he was a gay man and wanting a date. So they've hooked up through Tinder or something. And they've gone out for a date and part one came out today and this staffer, who's very senior in the White House. Well, he was yesterday. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he certainly, I know he's cleared all of his social media. Uh, part two part two's coming out tomorrow when James O'Keefe tells this White House staffer, you know I'm James O'Keefe, and then he panics and he runs out. We've seen the promos, but it's going to be very funny and dramatic tomorrow. But look, they're really, the, the substantial thing is this. Someone deep inside the White House says Kamala Harris is, is, is useless. Mm-hmm. She keeps losing her staff. Her African-American staff keep quitting because she's so horrible to work for. And they say that she's not up to the job. But then they say, well, we can't dump her from the ticket because, you know, of her ethnicity and her How gender. pathetic. Oh, but look, if Joe Biden gets elected, Chris, yeah, which is possible, if he gets re-elected, he'll be 86 by the time uh, of his, at the end of his second term. Now, now, I mean, you know, I mean, people between the age of 82 and 86 do have a habit of dying. Okay, you know, just I'm not, you know, he just might die in his sleep like old people do in their 80s. And he's not a very, you know, some people can be in their early 80s and sprightly. Yeah, let's hope you and I like that, Chris. But <laughs> Joe Biden is not like that. And so, so that this guy has admitted on a on a date. Okay, he's trying to impress this guy. Uh, he's just told the, the blood truth. Now he says that Kamala's useless and hopeless, but we can't get rid of her because of race and gender. And then he says, oh, yeah, Joe Biden's slowing down. So, look, Chris, I know I've said this before. I, I think it's a 50-50 chance that they will remove Joe and they'll install Michelle Obama. She certainly solves, solves the race and gender issue for them because, you know, it's so important for the Democrats. Mm. Uh, uh, but, look, it's, it's, I only say 50-50 because uh, the polls are terrible uh, for Joe. But, you know, look, if he digs in, if and, and I'll tell you who's behind it. It's not Joe. He doesn't know what day of the week it is. It's Mrs. Biden. Jill Biden is obsessed with being the first lady. So she's prepared to risk everything the Democrats have got. She's prepared to risk it all if she can have another four years in the White House. She's really the worst person in America in my Elder opinion. abuse. It's out and out elder abuse. But anyway, I've got to get to a break, John. Come back in just a short moment. I want to talk about 
um, a stack of things, including the the controversy over a mountain in northern New South Wales. I can't believe it, um, but it might be a lesson to other countries around the world as well. We'll come back with John right after a break on TNT. TNT. Sonia Porton. You feel the need to describe yourself, along with being a useless eater, free speech, isn't a phobia, as a male with a penis. Why would you feel the need to describe yourself as such? Well, you never know these days, do you? Anyone can have a penis, apparently. So just thought you better make sure everybody knows. And that, and that is the reality, isn't it? Words have lost all meaning. And one of the things that I wanted you to come on and come and join me about and comment about is the whole issue of gender and transgenderism. Are you cis, Jack? No. There's no such thing. There was, there was literally no such thing until a couple of years ago. And it's, it's their religion. It's not mine. And I refuse to get involved with this sort of terminology. It's ridiculous. Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. It's time to switch on today's news talk radio. Very entertaining. TNT. One of our viewers who has uh, been on the chat box this afternoon by TNTradio.live, Pelly, says this climate, these climate loonies make it all up as they go and have no real science to base all of this climate hoax on. We've had a terrible summer. Where are those catastrophic fires we were told would happen this summer? Um, now we get a summer's day at about 30 degrees and the mainstream media scaremonger about a heat wave. It's very, very true. And you're right, John, that's exactly that's been the exact case this summer. Now, according to ABC News in Australia, climate change, John Ruddick, is linked to premature births, stillbirths and even abnormal gestational weight and size. I call BS. Well, I certainly call BS 100% and it's because of uh, so-called global boiling or what they call climate change now. But uh, more seriously, I suspect the statistics are saying that there has been an increase in these very serious conditions, these these gut-wrenching conditions. Now, what could be behind that? Well, you know, I think that there's a possibility it's the COVID vaccine. I don't have, you know, high confidence on that and I don't uh, claim to be an, an expert because I'm, I'm, not, I'm absolutely not. But I think that we should have an open mind uh, that we, you know, we did inject uh, pretty much 90, 98% of the country with a very, very rushed vaccine. Okay. Now, now, you know, these pharmaceutical the, the new drugs to market typically take 10 years to get to market because COVID was, you know, the greatest threat in the history of the universe. They had to rush this one to market. And so we, so we, we have to live with the possibility of unexpected um, side effects. Mm. Now, now we were told with the COVID vaccine that it was a brand new type of vaccine. Well, certainly the Pfizer and the Moderna was, which was mRNA. Now, I think the other ones were basically the flu vaccine with a little bit of a tweak, which is probably, you know, not, not that harmful. Now, look, let's hope I'm wrong. Let's hope that, that it, it's not because of that. And, and now it could, it, it could still be COVID related. People could be having these problems uh, because locked in their home for two years, okay, which does 
it's very unnatural and bad things can happen. Mm. Uh, people certainly put on a lot of weight, generally speaking, during that period. But as, as for it being related to climate change, well, look, in this mad religious cult of global boiling, all roads lead to global boiling. Doesn't matter mm -hmm. what happens. Doesn't matter what it is. It's it, it, all related to global boiling. Okay, because yeah. it's their, their mad cult that oh, they're aren't they? okay. Now, what? Now, now, but the, what what totally discredits this ABC report from Perth is that we've had an unusually cold summer. Mm. Okay, and so we've got these uh, birth defects tragically, and they're saying it's because of climate change. Okay, so well, that's just obviously absurd. Yeah, but I I I I, I think we should get to the bottom of why is it happening now yeah yeah oh you mean an inquiry into excess deaths now come on john that'd be too much like common sense and transparency meanwhile on that subject though mate south australian father daniel shepherd has won a major covid vaccine case in compo after developing a heart condition immediately after being injected with the covid vax surprise surprise my friend look you know look the good news is is that there these uh, stories of people having serious heart problems appear to have dropped off. Maybe I'm an optimist, but when the mRNA program was in full strength, I'm very sorry to say, on a frequent basis, almost a daily basis, people people who were not at risk of dying of COVID, people in their twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties, were either you know in some cases dying. And a lot of cases were having serious heart problems, myocarditis. I know about four of my mates that had it. Okay. And and now they didn't die, but you know, they gee, having a sick heart doesn't sound good, does it? The mm -hmm. pharmaceutical industry said, Oh, well, myocarditis isn't a big deal. I said, It's your friggin' heart. Mm -hmm. So so I'm very pleased what happened in South Australia with somebody who, you know, the I the vaccine caused the problem. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, that's what the court has found. So yeah. it did, it did, you know, so so all that hoopla. All the demonization of the unbacked, all the demonization of people who were saying, look, I don't feel comfortable about this. There's something, mm. something not quite right here. Mm. Well, they've all been vindicated. I hope it's the beginning of yeah. uh, what's happened here. Meanwhile, some brave doctors are telling a public Senate hearing today that we need a royal commission into Australia's pandemic response. Um, I want to play you something. It's from Dr. Julie Sladden from Tasmania, who actually writes quite prolifically in The Spectator. Here she is. There has been a catastrophic failure of medical ethics, human rights and free speech in this country. I know of no health emergency so great as to necessitate the locking up of healthy people for weeks on end. There is no health emergency so great as to threaten individuals with the loss of livelihood, free passage, access to healthcare, education and the right to participate in society unless they submit to a course of experimental injections. I know of no health emergency so great as to require denying dying Australians the mercy to be comforted by loved ones in their final moments. There is no health emergency that makes acceptable the wholesale removal of informed consent. Unlike in America, John, there is a very, very small band of people who keep raising the problems that occurred during COVID-19 and the fact that we need a Royal Commission. You know, to become a, a doctor is a sort of a great honour. You know, when you're a little kid and you think, gee, you know, one day I might grow up and become a doctor and only about half a percent of people do. You have to be, to become a doctor, Chris, you know what you've got to be? Firstly, you've got to be naturally pretty smart. Mm. Secondly, you've got to be really hardworking at school and you've got to be sort of a goody two-shoes at school. You've got to be someone who 
is the teacher's pet. You've got to suck up to the teacher. Okay? <laughs> it's true, isn't it? You know, they, they, so they never got in trouble. Always, always obeyed. That's true. Probably, probably stitched on their mates, okay, when they did something naughty, like the Chris Smithers and the John Ruddocks of the world. Yeah. Okay. Great. So the, the, the little goody two shoes, okay, who've got pretty smart, probably from a nice middle class family. Uh, and they end up getting into law, uh, med- medical school at university. Now, you've got to be really smart. You've got to be in the top 1% to do that. And then, you know, it's not just a normal university degree to become a doctor. You've got to be there for about five years. Okay? Six. Gonna, six. Yeah, six years. That's right. Then, then there's on, non-stop training. So you, to get there, you've got to be, you just got to be a very, very compliant person, listen to the authorities. Now, I'm, now, we all love our doctors, okay? If I have a car accident this afternoon, they'll be my favourite people, Okay. But my point is that they are highly compliant. Now, a very small percentage of them during the COVID BS uh, were alarmed and did something about it. Probably the first time in their life they spoke out against the authority. They didn't True. comply. And yeah. they are magnificent people. Yeah. The lady you've just showed is a magnificent person. I support everything they do. And I have to say something about The Spectator Australia. Wasn't it magnificent? It, it is a magnificent journal it, it, it is the place it is the free speech platform for print obviously tnt is the free speech platform uh you know uh, audio and uh, visual but the spectator routinely publishes magnificent articles yeah uh, under fire okay yeah. but, but good on them yeah that's that's well worth mentioning we we don't mention that often enough you're quite right i want to get back to something in northern new south wales that i find just just out of kilter with public expectation. Out of kilter with Marbo, may I add, um, the famous Mount Warning mountain near Mwoolumba in northern New South Wales has become a controversial piece of landscape this week, known for its terrific trekking opportunities and the trails. Local Indigenous groups have banned climbing on the mountain. They say it is theirs. The trekkers are protesting and demanding that they get their mountain back. Surely they can come up with a compromise here. This was not what Mabo was supposed to be. It was not about locking up territory and keeping it away from the white fella. Well, look, I'm I I am uh, you know particularly interested in Aboriginal history and what happened before 1788. We don't have much documentary evidence, uh, but we've got a little bit, and we don't have much, much archaeological evidence, but we've got a little bit. And I'm all in favour of trying to protect archaeological evidence. And if the local Aborigines say it's got sacred significance, I'm all in favour of protecting it. Okay, because you know, it, it was, but you uh, can do that and still get people on the mountain in particular trails. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so if we've got a little evidence down at some near creek in the Mount Warning National Park that there was uh, the Stone Age tools or something, well, let's look after it. Okay, but they they're trying to say that the whole mountain is a sacred site. Now, now, uh, there is, from what I can see, I'm happy to be proven wrong, in the 1800s, in the 1900s, up until only 20 years ago, the Aborigines just thought it was another mountain, the local Aborigines. Now, for some reason, in the last 20 years, they've come up with this idea, oh, the whole mountain is sacred. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Aboriginal females aren't allowed to go there. That's pretty sexist. That's against the sex discrimination law, I would have thought. <laughs> uh, only... Only male Aborigines are going to go there because of some. I have a feeling that it's all made up. I, I'm happy. Secret to men's prove, business. Yeah, secret men's business. Exactly. Yes. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I, I will only believe it if they can show us that there was Aborigines in the 1830s when the white man comes along, and the Aborigines are saying, "No, don't go up that mountain. Don't go up that mountain. It's it's our Jerusalem. You know, it, it's our sacred site. It's our 
it's our it's our mecca okay i don't i think it's something that just came up recently because left-wing academics have hoodwinked local aborigines into coming up with these claims that's what i think but i want to i'm hoping to establish a parliamentary inquiry so we can get to the bottom of it and if i'm wrong i will be very happy to be proven wrong a parliamentary inquiry when are you going to call for that well tuesday wednesday next week now then okay. i i don't have to get the lower house to agree i have to get a majority just a simple majority in the upper house to agree so uh let's see if that happens okay now i'm, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm hoping we can get a majority we don't really you know we we often sort of fall short by one or two votes yeah that's if the silly liberals and nationals support me the liberal it was the liberal party chris that started this whole thing the, the, the liberal party environment minister james griffin who's basically a teal dressed up as a liberal he's the one that said that this is a sacred site and white man's not a go allowed to white men uh. and females aren't allowed to go there so but i hope they've come to their senses and will support a very sound motion from the libertarian party in the new south Wales. and as you say let's let's see the evidence let's simply see the evidence right. i'll let you go we've run out of time always great to catch up mate we'll talk again next week have a great week or what's left of it anyway terrific thanks chris good on you mate thank you john ruddick mlc the leader of the libertarian party in the state of new south wales we're late for news let's go there now on tnt now's a good time to break the big news tnt radio news Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Mark Zuckerberg has apologised on national television to the families of children who have been harmed or sexually exploited on social media. Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan has been handed another lengthy jail term just a day after being jailed for a decade. And Russia and Ukraine have carried out their largest ever prisoner swap, each side releasing just under 200 captured soldiers. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Just before we get to Russell Broadbent, um, this is a good comment from Lord Melbury on our chat box on tntradio.live. Lord Melbury writes, COVID did us all a huge favour it highlighted that many academics, medical professionals and scientists will support any agenda that keeps them in a job. Their careers depend on it. And this alone has caused a huge mistrust in these people and all the institutions working in lockstep to drive malevolent agendas. We can see it all now. You're quite right. We've benefited immensely from what occurred because it put strain on our medical system, and we saw that the holes and the cracks were there and where they were, and we've seen exactly what you're talking about, those that are prepared to stick and be selfish enough to stick with what they have, irrespective of whether they agree with what's occurring to the rest of society. The Federal Independent MP for the seat of Monash in Victoria is one Russell Broadbent, and I've got him on the line right now. Russell, welcome back to TNT. Thanks, Chris. I expect this year to be unprecedented, unconventional, unusual, and very uncomfortable for many. And I love what you just said, because how is it that people have worked with their hands? And when I was a kid, I did four years hay carting. I worked with people who were the salt of the earth, Yeah, right? They didn't fall for any of that nonsense that we copped during COVID. They didn't. They didn't. They were out there railing against it. Fancy telling farmers they had to get vaccinated to milk their cows. You know, it was just, it's just crazy stuff. Mm. 
And, so and the I'm booster saying... take up at the moment, I think, is in many countries below 10. I think there's one Western country above 10. I haven't looked at the, I'll have to have a look at the latest figures, but we're in single digits. And that tells me, thankfully, that the public has woken up now that the dust has settled. Absolutely. There's only 5% of people taking up the boosters here in Australia. 5%. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, I've just had this overwhelming feeling of deja vu this week, Russell. The Greens seem to be in charge again. Uh, they've told the Prime Minister he needs to increase the dole and he might then have a tax deal. Might, of course. Um, Anthony Albanese said today he won't be doing deals, but will he have an option? Well, no, he may not have an option, but uh, does he need the Greens? It depends who then supports him in the Senate yeah. and in the House of Representatives. So the Greens may not have the power that they believe they have at the moment, especially if Peter Dutton decides to swing in behind those tax changes. Do you think the Liberal Party will support Albanese on this? I think they'll probably move amendments and then they won't oppose the legislation. Wow. That, that, that's just my view. How can you vote against the lower-income Australians getting a benefit? Mm. It's very hard to do. And it's, I think it's more than 2.5 million Australians. I mean, that's a, that's a very strong voting block you'd be voting against, and it would leave your uh, opposition, being the government, your, your opposition, not the opposition, your opposition, with a very powerful tool to bash you over the head with running into the 25 election. I hear that, but on the other side of the argument is that we had stage one, we had stage two, had nothing to do with higher income earners. This was stage three, which was a modest tax cut for higher income earners. It was always meant to be that. I've never been supportive of these tax cuts, Chris. I hate to disappoint you because I don't believe people like me need a $9,000 tax cut. And, and when things, as Tony Abbott said and agreed with me the other day, when things change, you change. When these tax cuts were envisaged and legislated, Chris, they were very reasonable then. You could, you know, you, but the moment COVID hit and our response to COVID was such that we took the nation into such debt that we had to change our tune. And I believe that um, they should be tweaked so, but someone like me still doesn't need a, a four or, or a six thousand dollar tax cut, Chris. I don't. Okay. I don't. I think that's wrong. I All think. Right. I think people are doing it so hard out there, and you know that they're doing it so. Hard, they're eating into their savings. Yeah. They're using their credit card, yeah. and they're in trouble. And so, if in July this year we can give them some benefit, we should. Yeah, I had a uh, chat to a real estate mate of mine up the street uh, over a coffee the other morning, and he was saying. Um, in a very short space of time, he's had mortgage holders have to sell their home, something that they've only held for about 18 months, two years, because things have just gone so bad for them. They don't have savings to dip into to pay the mortgage anymore, and so they simply have to get rid of their house. And now, that is streaming That is streaming into the professional class as well. But yeah. think about it, Chris. They have gone out and they've taken out mortgages when they believed interest rates were going to be held what was it till two thousand and twenty four or two thousand and twenty five? Yes. You know, and they and they they did things that you and I as young people would never, never, never do. Yeah. And that is, don't allow for a rainy day. They yeah. didn't. Yeah. They thought they this didn't. was going to go on forever. 
Yeah. Well, we were told by the Reserve Bank Governor, but anyway, that's a argument yep. for another day. Now, the strong rumour about Labor changing negative gearing arrangements seems to be real. Labor luminary Bill Kelty is telling his mates in power that the tax system needs to be reformed. He wants tax breaks for asset owners scrap, that is negative gearing, to fund reductions in income tax rates. He says the transformation is necessary to avoid a generation of falling living standards. It's a little bit late for that, though, <laughs> Russell, as we've just discussed. Yeah, the, the per capita living standards of Australians have been falling for the last two years. Um, and that, that the figures, uh, overall figures are hiding that, but that's what's happened to Australians and they're feeling it, Chris. Mm. But Keating tried this. You're old enough and I'm old enough. Remember, Keating tried scrapping negative gearing and within three months, three months, he reversed his decision straight away. And look at one, Bill Shorten. Yeah, one. Well, Shorten should have remembered what happened to Keating. Yeah. Because, one, these homes are broadly held by policemen and nurses and other people who are just investing in their future. Yeah. By, by, by buying a house and negative gearing it, like if you took on a second business. Yeah. And they can do that in this way. It's, it's quite reasonable that if you take on a business, you're able to claim the expenses. Yeah. And that's exactly what they're doing. Secondly, so it's ordinary mums and dads, our mums and dads in their 30s and 40s, that are mostly affected by this, you know. And we, all we hear about is, oh, this one's got 20 houses and this one's got 30 houses and this one's got 20, 10. That, they're so few compared to the generation of migrants that came through after Second World War yeah. and they bought their house, they educated their children, and then what did they do? They went and bought a rental. And so that's that whole cohort of people mm. that we're now taxing with land. 60% of Victoria's income now is coming from where? Victorian government. It's coming from property taxes. Mm. There's been five new property taxes and enormous increases in land tax. So people are just withdrawing. You should have asked your, your friend, the estate agent, and I've got to tell you, be honest with you now, my son is an estate agent, right? a very good estate agent, but can I say to you, um, their rent roll is diminishing, the rent roll is the, the number of renters they've got in their business, is diminishing because people are exiting the, the property market. ownership right. and selling their properties that were yeah. rented yeah. to people who are living in them, and that's why one of the reasons you've got this massive rental crisis. Yeah. There are other reasons we'll talk about another day too, but the government decisions are actually damaging the rental market, mm. state and federal. We talk, you and I talk federally, never forget what the states are doing uh, for their revenue. And if you keep a bit of an eye on the states as well, uh, everything they're doing is damaging, damaging the property market and therefore the rental market. Um, I can't help but think that the ADF is all at sea in its preparedness to defend Australia. We read today that we won't have a drone force for eight years. Now, you know, places like China, okay, we can't compare the two nations, but in terms of strategy, China decided long ago that they had to have a capable and quite widespread uh, drone force. Well, we've got to wait eight years for ours. 
Well, what about protection from drones? In the Israelis the other day, I read that they are bringing in a, you know how they have the steel dome now that, that knocks out the, the incoming missiles? Yeah. Well, now they're just introducing a laser system that's going to do exactly the same. I read that, yeah. I'm sure that would be available to us. I'm sure that would be available to us now. Yeah. And if we're that vulnerable, it means we're incapable of defending ourselves. Incapable. Yeah, this, this is like a scud for drones. It's the kind of defence system that we could do with and we could do with right now. Um, I want to jump to this row between Nine News in Melbourne and Adobe, the publishers of the software program Photoshop. Victorian MP Georgie Purcell had her real um, self enhanced, I guess you'd call it, with larger breasts and a crop top by Nine. Nine admitted that they did it, but they claimed that it was Photoshop who did it because of the algorithms, not some Nine employee playing around with her features. Um, I hope they don't put breasts on you accidentally one day, Russell. I've seen a new Jeff Kennett where they just shoved the head on a beautiful body. Right, okay. Uh, but let me say to you, Chris, a politician's image is everything to them. This was published by Nine News. Yeah. It, you can't go and blame. You're the publisher. You're responsible, Chris, for everything you say on this program. Yeah. I'm responsible for everything I say on the program. We're sending out our own image and our own voice. Yeah. And that's our integrity. So if you if that integrity is impinged in any way, yeah. you know, you can't blame some underling or some contractor. You're responsible for and, what goes into your newspaper. Correct, you and are. Russell, don't tell me that there weren't people within the Nine Network that knew or didn't know that this Photoshop software could do such a thing. It would have come up before. It, they, the head should have rolled straight away. There should have been abject apology from channel uh, from the channel immediately, you know, abject apology, and to the nation as well because they're misleading the nation. Yeah, very, very true. I've run out of time. It's good to have you back on the program. Fantastic. Oh, we look forward to speaking again. Unprecedented, unconventional, unusual and uncomfortable. <laughs> It will be all of that and more, I am sure. We'll get through it, no doubt. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. There you go. The Federal Independent Member, the MP for the seat of Monash in Victoria, Russell Broadbent, who uh, we don't necessarily have to agree with, but I so appreciate the fact that he's prepared to stand by what he believes in, even if we do disagree. Um, Mike says, nine news is useless. Keep away. <laughs> that says, that's Mike. All I just think is you can't blame the equipment. Don't tell me they didn't know the equipment did that beforehand. Um, if you're the publisher of anything, you're the one that takes responsibility for it. So say sorry and say, we'll sort it out with Adobe. It's got nothing to do with Adobe. You hired the equipment. If the equipment's faulty, it's, you're the publisher. It's your responsibility. I want to take a break and I want to bring back into the discussion something we tackled a couple of times last year, that is concussion in sport and what needs to be done about it, uh, especially when you look at what's being done in other parts of the world, especially in the NFL. 
Let's take a break on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Hey, Australia, what is going on over there? A university professor has been fired after he called out Swedish Green Agenda activist Greta Thunberg on social media. Now, let me ask you a question. Why is this person seemingly immune from being criticized? She knows nothing about how the weather and climate actually operates. She's led a climate strike for I don't know how many years. That's called truancy, or it used to be called that. And yeah, if someone criticizes her, this is what goes on. In any case, in a post on X, renowned Australian human resources professor, Andrew Timming questioned the double standard of Thunberg's social media messaging. Just days before Christmas, Timming was fired from the college over a single ex-post. Timming was a faculty member at RMIT University in Australia. So I have to ask you, what is going on over there? I mean, seriously, you can't criticize someone anymore? Especially someone, I mean, wasn't her 15 minutes of fame done five years ago? It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I hope folks wake up to this because we're trying to wake up a bit in the United States. I think the coming cold in Europe is going to wake them up again. I think the coming cold in the United States is going to wake some people up again. But I'll tell you what, people have to wake up globally as to what these people are about because it's not about climate and weather. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog. And since I'm the climate and weather watchdog, I should know if it's about climate and weather. Asking you to enjoy the weather, it's the only weather you got. Need a ride? Yeah! Driving with kids is a big responsibility. Hop in and buckle up! So don't sweat the small stuff. You got paint all over our paper! Get the big stuff right instead. What does that mean? Like making sure your kids are in the correct car seat and buckled up for safer travel. That deserves a wiggly wiggly wig. To make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. The voice of a changing world. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, the story I'm about to dabble in at the moment is a story that has been on the front pages of newspapers right around the world for the past decade. And it was a big story on the front page of the Herald Sun in Melbourne today with plans for a complete overhaul of concussion protocols proposed by the Australian Institute of Sport. So anyone in community sport showing any symptoms of concussion will be ordered to stand down from their sport for a minimum of three weeks. Now, this is all about preventing long-term damage which has become a massive issue several years ago, firstly in the NFL and now in sports across the world. Australia is virtually catching up. One of the cutting-edge tools being used by sporting codes around the globe right now is the Neuroflex eye and head tracking technology. And I've mentioned this technology on several occasions throughout 2023. Um, they're right across these protocols and what sports across the globe are now doing to protect their players and prevent a multi-billion dollar lawsuit down the track. Neuroflex CEO Chris Fox joins us right now. Chris Fox, welcome to TNT. Thanks, Chris. Nice to be with you. Good to have you on. Now, for the uninitiated watching, can you explain what Neuroflex is and does? Sure. So Neuroflex is, if you can imagine, virtual reality goggles that go on your head and uh, we will actually monitor the eye movement of someone who has a suspected MTBI, which is a traumatic brain injury. 
So those that have played sport might remember the old doctor with follow your finger to see if there's any sorts of neurological issue. Well, it's that that brought into the 21st century. And in most occasions, you would use these, as you say, goggles, you would use these goggles in a preparatory stage. So before the individual goes in the battle, as it were, plays their sport, so that when they do have an injury, you've got something to compare it with. You're dead right, Chris. So as you know, through our association with the South Juniors, all around the world, um, clinicians are focusing around what's called a baseline test. So before the brain's injured, before the individual goes into combat, even before the child plays competitive sport, you get an image of that bespoke individual uh, brain Um, which is a normative value, and that normative value is encrypted. It's totally and utterly um, unable to be retrieved except by the individual parent. Mm -hmm. And if that person unfortunately suffers a traumatic brain injury, you compare that brain to its normal, healthy baseline. Yeah. You mentioned South Juniors, and we both have had associations with that club, and that is the club that Neuroflex is associated with. So their juniors are being put through that process, and uh, the equipment will be used during the season. But there are sports around the world using this device as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So there isn't a secret elixir to the issue of concussion. There's no one protocol, there's no one platform, there's not one clinician that, that, that will, will fix the issue. Neuroflex, Chris, forms part of what's called a globally accepted multimodal test. It's a series of a few tests, and I guess the key element to these tests is Neuroflex, and that's now been adopted by... Um, just about every major sport in the world, and it's being championed by um, all the major clinicians in global sport, not the least is Professor John Petrusios, who's chair of the Concussion in Sport Group. Now, that's important for your listeners to understand. Uh, medicine's different when it comes to concussion because unlike just about every other facet of medicine, um, there is only one body that effectively regulates global protocol, and that's the concussion and sport group. So we work in with their chair. We walk in, work in with whether it's the British Horse Racing Authority or whether it's um, Ineos Grenadiers and cycling in the UK, uh, whether it's Australian rules football teams or whether it's, you mentioned, South Juniors as I did. Um, just about every major sporting organisation, Formula One, they all use what's called a multimodal battery of tests it's unequivocal, it's unarguable, and without Neuroflex and its bombs testing in it, it's useless. Okay. So under the Australian Institute of Sports Protocols, will you be involved in that? Will the device be involved? Well, there's the – this is a uh, – the reason why I was keen to come on and have a chat with you, this is a significant issue, Chris, because um, it's been reported as something as a, as a groundbreaking decision, but – what, as I can see, is that you've got Australia's peak body, which is the Australian Institute of Sport, mm. which is part of, obviously, the Australian Sports Commission, the peak body of sport in Australia. 
that has effectively adopted what the Brits put in place about 12 months ago, and that was led through Love of the Game in the United Kingdom, a group that we work in very closely. The difference there, Chris, is that that 21 days no play policy was legislated, passed by government, and in grassroots sport, in fact, all sport in the United Kingdom, if you have a suspected MTBI, you cannot return to the field for 21 days. As I understand it, Chris, um, what the Institute of Sport have said is that we've made a recommendation that 21 days be put in place, 14 days with no symptoms, and there are other recommendations. Now, whether that's right, wrong or indifferent, I'm not going to argue, but what I am absolutely astounded by and fielded you know, countless calls today is that this peak body, Australia's peak body around sport, whose charter, if you Google them, is to focus particularly around the biggest topic in sport at the minute, which is concussion, they've been shot down by just about every code in Australia that's saying they're not going to participate with this recommendation. It's, and it's they're doing mind. that because the bean counters, tell me whether I'm wrong, they're doing that because the bean counters and the cardigan wearers don't want their superstar players sitting on the sideline for three weeks, do they? Well, Chris, if you look at it and you look at the era of you know, these massive mega media deals, they want their best players on the deck. Yeah. But you've got to look after these people. It's the health of the human body and the human brain. Mate, I, I'm at the, my team and I are at the coalface of grassroots sport, elite sport, as you know, all around the world. We are shaking our heads with respect to the lack of inaction in Australia. And the, the, those that control um, our major sporting codes to ignore recommendations from our big body, mm. but more importantly, to be that far behind what's happening overseas is a national disgrace. And well, we let, are, me, let me put it another way. Let me yeah. put it another way. I play for, say, South Sydney in the elite rugby league competition in Australia. I end up getting a series of concussions. I then realised that back in 2024, when they had recommendations from the Australian Institute of Sport, when there were protocols much better in place in other parts of the world that they could have studied, and when Neuroflex isn't used at, as well because it's one of the great devices in the market, I then have a case, do I not, to take to my lawyer and get a billion dollars out of the rugby league uh, fraternity or whatever sport I'm playing in. Well, that's why That's why the, the legal fraternity are lifting, lifting their lips at the moment, Chris. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a hornet's nest of issues. It's a time bomb. Uh, I think I've used this analogy before. For those that remember the asbestos issues of the 80s, yeah. this is asbestos and the tobacco lobby combined as one. It's massive. Yeah, exactly. I hope those who are associated with the codes, at least in Australia, are listening to this because they're going to get heavily bruised, similarly to what we saw in the NFL. I've got to leave it there. i run out of time already, but thank you very much for appearing on the program, and uh, we will continue to follow these, um, well, lack of lack of adherence to protocols in the country over brain injury uh, further on the program. Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure, Chris. Thanks for Good on you. Chris Fox from Neuroflex. Um, look, he's right across this area and he knows as well as anyone that they're flirting with danger. 
they're flirting with the idea that players of today will use their lack of adherence to the latest protocols and technology in a court case and sue the pants off these codes. Um, the likes of AFL and Rugby League had better get their you-know-what together. I'll leave you in the capable hands. Dean is on after the program, after the news, I should say, and I'll be back at the same time tomorrow. Look forward to your company then. <laughs>